Can you guys hear me? You guys got to check out a YouTube channel called The Bible Project. They have these cool videos that kind of summarize different aspects. But welcome, everyone, to the eight. Let me put a huge disclaimer that this story that we've been talking about for, for the past few weeks is super, 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 super weird. Okay, and, it, and it's just, it's full of so many elements that are, makes a typical Hollywood movie unbelievable. Like, I feel this is an uh, Oscar award-winning script right here. This is why the subtitle of what we've been talking about here, Tobit, a divine love narrative for Hollywood and edification. This is a narrative that points to such a, a bigger picture than what we're actually talking about, and this is how we'll approach this Sunday at the 8, and our, as we wrap up things for next Sunday. But as a recap of this very weird Jewish manuscript of the of the story, it exists in the year 721 BC. We know that everything unfolds in this narrative titled Tobit. And, and let me uh, address this as well. The book of Tobit is what early Christians understood as being a book in the Bible. They understood this book being one of the many books in the Bible. But as things evolved in history and the printing press, things, certain books were ended up being removed. But from the first century, the church understood this being one of the books of the Bible titled the book of Tobit. Let me give you a really high-level recap so far of the story. We begin the story of, of seeing this elderly couple named Daddy Tobit and Mommy Anna. That I'm just, I just remember Tobit and Anna are the mom and dad. And they have, a young, they have a dog, as we see in this picture here from the, from the Renaissance time, and they have a young son named Tobias. Dad had a really crappy day. Literally, he went blind because poop fell into his eyes from a bird. You don't believe me? You can check it out yourself. It's in the Bible. So he goes blind because he has bird poop in his eye. And he's, like, kind of very depressed, which understandable. Things are going bad. He's an old, grumpy man complaining to his wife. And he tells his son, who's probably an older man, probably in his 20s or 30s, says, listen, I don't know how many days or years I got left in my life. I need you to go and get some cash that I loaned a guy, a relative, very far away. I need you to go on this mission. But I don't want you to go on this trip by yourself. I want you to take a companion with you. So here is this blind Tobit putting his hands on his son, kind of blessing him, saying, okay, I don't know if I'm ever going to – you're going to go on this trip – you need to go on this trip, but you can't do this alone. I need you to find a travel companion. So he picks up this guy who go, he goes by the name Azarias, or Azarias, but he, in disguise, he's actually Archangel Raphael. But nobody knows that right in the beginning of this trip. So they go on this trip. You have Tobias, the son, Archangel Raphael, who's in disguise, but he, they don't know he's an, he's an angel yet, and they, they go with their dog. They go on this journey. It gets weirder. They go on this journey, and they stop by a body of water to get some, to get some, to get some water to, to, to refresh themselves. And, the, and all of a sudden, this massive fish just ends up t attacking Tobias's leg. And then Archangel Raphael, whose name is, he looks like a regular dude, named Azarias, he says, Tobias, kill that fish. We're going to need parts of this fish like, for, for the rest of the journey and eventually to heal your dad from the blindness because of the bird poop. So they continue on the, on the journey. They have like part of this fish. They continue on the journey to go get the cash. And then his companion, uh, Tobias's companion, Archangel Raphael, says, "Hey, you know what? Let's stop. Uh, let's stop uh, at, a, at, a, at a family's house, at a relative's house, to crash for the night. We need a place to stay." So they go into this house, and you have Ragul and Edna, which I love the name Edna. So Ragul, Ragul's a great name too. Ragul and Edna. And they have this, uh, they have a young lady as their daughter named Sarah. Sarah, talk about, I mean, you think bird poop in your eye is bad. Sarah has been married seven times, engaged seven times. 
And all of those engagements broke off on their, like, basically wedding night. Something happens to one of those guys. I mean, talk about bad luck after bad luck after bad luck. So Archangel Raphael tells his friend Tobit, hey, listen, you're a young dude. This girl, she's, she's pretty cute. She's pretty smart. Why don't we, like, why don't we do something here? Why don't you, why don't, I'll be a matchmaker. I'll hook you guys up. And, Tobi and Tobias is like, uh-uh. I'm going to be the eighth guy to die if I move forward. But kind of Archangel Raphael kind of pushes him, encourages him, says, you got this, man. Let's do this. So they date, and they got the approval, the green light from all the family. So this is kind of, this is uh, Tobit here, you know, taking the beautiful Sarah. I, it looks like they went out for a park. They went out a walk for a park or something on a camel, something like that. But you have all these different characters in this narrative, and they decide to get married. And this is kind of what we talked about yesterday. And on their wedding night, they have the, the ceremony. They have the reception, the wedding night. Wedding night's a big deal, if you know what I mean. And then they decide to say a prayer. They decide to come. And like I shared last week, a prayer on my wedding night was the last thing on my mind. But here's Tobit, Tobias, forgive me, decides to lead his newlywed wife in a prayer. What on earth would you pray? Do you even have the mindset to pray on your wedding night? Like you just partied up, you just celebrating, you just got married. What are you praying about, Tobias? Tobias rose up from the bed and said, Arise, arise, my newly bride, Sarah, and let us pray that the Lord will have mercy upon us. So Tobias began to pray, saying, Blessed are you, O God of our fathers, and blessed is your holy and glorious name unto the ages. The heavens and all your creatures bless you. You made Adam and gave him Eve as a helper, his wife, as a support. From them, the seed of mankind came to be. You said it is not good for them, for, you said it is not good for the man to be alone. Let us make a helper for him like himself. O Lord, I now take this, my sister, not biologically, but this is a word of endearment, to, 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 to this woman, to Sarah, as my wife. Not on account of fornication, but in truth. Command that she and I may have mercy, and in this grow old together. And with this, Sarah said, Amen, Tobias. Then both fell asleep for the night. What I admire so much about this prayer, and which is integral in this day and age, Tobias understood that him falling in love with Sarah, and them having great chemistry, and they get alike, and they both like the same type of food, and they like the same restaurant, and like, he didn't fall into any of that. He said, I admire this woman, I honor her, I respect her, I love her. We are moving forward in marriage, not for the sake of happiness, not because we have great chemistry, whatever, whatever that means, none of that. No, we're deciding to move forward intentionally toward the sacrament of marriage, for holiness as opposed to just happiness. This is so countercultural in this day and age for, for Tobias to be so mission-focused, to saying, I'm going to move forward, not for fornication, not just for selfish needs, and not just for my sexual expression. No. Yeah, I mean, hey, don't get me wrong. That's a great plus in marriage. I'll take it. I love it. But that's not going to drive me to get married. That's not going to be the only reason why I'm going to get married, just so I can enjoy the beauty of sexuality. No. I'm also wanting to approach this for truth. What leads us to truth is that we ask, who is the founder of marriage? Who is the divine designer of marriage? But why the divorce rate in America and in the world continues to increase is because we look at marriage and say, 
it, how can this make me happy? As opposed to, how can this make me holy? And there's so many divorced couples I'll sit with, and I ask, describe marriage to me. Like, why did you get married? You know, I thought it was cute. She was cute. You know, we both got along. We both like we both liked the same stuff, and yeah, we liked each other. We just fell in love. Like it was nice. Like, and I said, do you view marriage, like, to, to make you happy or holy? And I said, we were happy, but it kind of expired. If it, it, it ended, and I said, okay. I, there's no, I can't move forward in the discussion. If you view marriage as to purely make you happy, and that's it, you don't see it into a bigger context that you don't question where, where did the, even the idea of marriage come from. You don't even question the founder of, of marriage. If that's not part of the discussion, I have a difficult time. May God give me help to, to know how to move the conversation forward. But I have a difficult time. Then I say, okay, we're, we're speaking two different languages. If you view it as purely to make you happy, then I'm with you. Then you should divorce. I understand. You, you looking for happiness? I'm with you. I got you. Then, then you, I can't, I, you have a different worldview. I respect that. I honor that. I don't get it, but that's your worldview. I can't, I, can't, I can't argue that. Tobias understood. I'm moving forward in this. She's a broken person. I am for sure a broken person. And Tobias understood there's no such thing as marriage problems. He understood that there are problems with people who end up getting married. There's no such thing as marriage problems. We come with our brokenness, with our issues, with our past, with our insecurities, with our sins. We come into marriage, and we come to motivate and cheer each other on and lean on each other, but ultimately toward the divine designer of marriage. And Tobias understood that. And because of that, their marriage was not just them two. It was a beautiful triangle between the founder of marriage and Tobias and Sarah. But Ragul, Ragul, which is Sarah's dad, come on, here's a guy who's had to bury seven engaged men who were engaged to Sarah in the past. So wedding night, of course, I mean, we would be doing the same. We think this is going to be the eighth guy to die. But Ragul rose up and went outside and dug a grave. He just went straight to digging a grave, saying, he too may have died. We can't blame Ragul. He understood. Seven other guys died. It stinks for my daughter. I know how this goes. This is going to be the eighth guy to die. Let me just go ahead and get a head start. Let me pretend I'm going to be shocked, but let me just go ahead and, and start digging the grave from now. So many of us take our limited nature, our broken nature, our limited comprehension, and we project that to the ineffable, uncreated being, and we assume that God thinks in the same manner as us. And when we do that, we come to the conclusion saying, oh, God probably did this because of this. Oh, I know God's going to do this next. And we end up thinking we understand the formula of an ineffable, incomprehensible God. Ragul fell into the trap that you and I always fall into. We see the same rhythm of life, and we assume God is going to do the same way moving next. Yes, is there a pattern to life? Yes. But Ragul fell into the trap of thinking he's already beating. He knows exactly what God's going to do. He's not holding into the virtue or the essence of hope. His prayer does not exist of, Lord, manage my life as deemed fit. There is a chance this will happen. There's a chance this might not happen. But I live for today, and I know that I'm limited, but you transcend my limited nature. You transcend time. You transcend matter. So how you can work or decide not to work, 
I'm not in a position to say that you are not working or working. You are above my comprehension. But Ragul said, oh, for sure he died. Let me go ahead and start digging the grave. Ragul then went back into his house and said to his wife, Edna, send out one of the maids, Pumpkin, and let her see if indeed Tobias is alive. If he is not, let us bury him that no one may know. So Tobias is telling his wife, Edna, can you go send one of the maids? Just go see. Like, I'm sure he's, he's, he's dead by now. Can you go check, go check up in the, in the wedding room to see if he died or not? So the maid went to the door. And when she opened it, she found both of them sleeping, which I think is super rude to just walk into a newlywed. But anyway, talk about being awkward. She came out and told the two of them that he was alive. Think how Ragul feels now. Then Ragul blessed God, saying, Blessed are you, the God with every pure and holy blessing. Your holy ones and all your creatures bless you. All your angels and all your chosen ones bless you unto all the ages. The introduction of his communication with God is saying, Lord, everything you have made, which is visible and invisible, from, from the bees and the plants and the trees, all of these creatures and, and all that you have created, somehow in their own unique way, bless you. In their own unique way, reflect your divinity. All of that reflects you. And all of this in, in who you are exists beyond the ages. All your angels and all your chosen ones bless you unto all the ages. This is why an integral part of the language of the first century church is glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto the ages of all ages. Amen. When my language is that glory is to you unto all the ages, what am I also saying? That you exist beyond all ages? But I do not. I am limited. I am here for a temporary purpose in this temporal world. But when I give glory to you and say that you exist beyond all the ages, even the essence of time that which I understand, you surpass that. I'm, I'm, I'm capturing both. I'm capturing him, the founder of time, how he views time, and I'm also acknowledging that I am limited. And this is what Rugul's praying. All right, super. Okay, here we go. Blessed are you, for you have made me glad. And it did not turn out for me as I suspected. suspected. Rather, you did with us according to your abundant mercy. Blessed are you, for you had mercy on our two only children. You got to give him credit. Like, he's not viewing this thing as, as, as an in-law. He sees both of his kids as his own children. And he admits with vulnerability, with his brokenness, Lord, you worked in a way and in which, to be honest, I didn't expect. I came with my own limited view of things, and I projected that you would work in the same way. But I was wrong. You decided to manage my life in a way in which I did not suspect. Lord, manage my life as you deemed fit. Not for me to determine what's appropriate, not appropriate, what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad, what's good for me, what's not good for me. I'm not in a position. But you manage my life as deemed fit. Oh, Lord, this is Ragul continuing to pray. Oh, Lord, show them mercy and complete their life in health and with gladness and mercy. Then he ordered his household servants to fill in the grave. Ragul's happy. Tobias got the, he got his honey. He went to go get the money. I, you, you appreciate my rhyme. Yeah. He, got, he got his honey, he got his money, he finished his journey, and he's, now he's going to go back to go see his parents. 
Daddy Tobit and Sarah. He finished his journey, and they're coming back. Now, now Tobias, he's coming back to his parents as a married man. He got the cash. He's, he's on cloud nine. Everything's going well. They got the dog that's going with him on the journey. Like, er everyone's happy. You have the travel companion, Azarius, which in disguise is Archangel Raphael. You got Tobias. You got Sarah. You got the doggy, And they're all running back now to Mr. Tobit and, their, um, and, and Tobit's wife, Sarah. Tobit greets them. Everyone is ecstatic. And Tobit says, Tobias, you pay that man. You pay that man. You pay, you pay your, your travel companion. He's been with you through this entire crazy journey that you just told me about. You pay that man. Because not only did you get that cash that I told you to get, but you also got married and he took care of you. You pay that man. And also, I, I've, been, I've, been healed, I've been healed from that bird poop. I don't have cataracts anymore. I'm all good. I can see now. So you got to pay that man. You, you make sure that you pay him well. Then Raphael. Raphael secretly called the two of them, Tobit and Tobias. And he said, gentlemen, come here, please. And he said to them, bless God and give him thanks. Ascribe greatness to him and give thanks in the presence of all the peop of all the living for what he has done for you. So, so Raphael, Archangel Raphael, pulls to the side, Tobit and Tobias. He says, this is crazy what has unfolded over the past several years of my journey. I want this to be part of your story. The, the dark days of this journey and, and the days in which you saw God working, the days in which you were at a low point and you lost all hope, this is your narrative. This is your story. This is your testimony that I want you to share. This is who you are. I want this to become part of your identity and what you, what, what everything that has unfolded. Ascribe greatness to him and give thanks in the presence of all the living. Those who are with you, ascribe greatness of how what you have experienced. Ex share this with all the living. Don't make this a hidden thing that you just experienced something private. No, ascribe greatness to him and give thanks in the presence of all the living for what he has done for you. It is noble to keep hidden the secret of a king, but glorious to unveil the works of God. We'll get back to that sentence later. Do good, and evil will not find you. Here's just some words of wisdom that Archangel Raphael is giving Daddy Tobit and his son Tobias. Archangel Raphael tells him this. Prayer is good with fasting, almsgiving, and righteousness. What I love about this is that, we, that, that Archangel Raphael, which is an ethereal being, he's an angel, he's saying that prayer, prayer is good. We can all agree. Is prayer good regardless of your worldview? Prayer is good. Sure. But he, he, he completes this entire package of what prayer is. Prayer is good when complemented with fasting, which is modifying your diet or suppressing something of, of the flesh, fleshy needs. Prayer is good with fasting, with almsgiving, of giving of yourself, of offering your, of yourself, even to an uncomfortable state. Prayer is good with fasting, with almsgiving, and living a righteous life, pursuing the ethic of righteousness by the one who designed the moral code of what is right. So saying prayer is good when it is packaged with all of this together. This is why, my friends, in the first century church, in the pre-denominational Orthodox church, this is our total package view of our spiritual journey, of our spiritual struggle. We say prayer is good, but we have to supplement it with fasting. We have to supplement this to, to give of ourselves. We have to supplement this by asking, who defines what is right or wrong in my life? That I can't justify my own logic to determine what is right or what is left, what is right or wrong. I can't determine that myself. I need to pursue the moral code of what is ethically right.
This is the entire package. And this is why during this season of Lent, a common refrain that we sing in the music of our church, blessed are those who give to the poor, who fast and pray. This is the language. This is the music. This is the hymnology of the church. And there's evidence of this from this biblical verse. Prayer is good with fasting, almsgiving, and righteousness. I love this. A few prayers with righteousness are better than many with wrongdoing. A few prayers with righteousness are better than many with wrongdoing. A few prayers that push me toward determining what is the ethics of right is better than just a bunch of mumbo-jumbo prayer and I'm just kind of like just so vague in my prayer and it's filled with wrongdoing. It's better to align a select few prayers that push me toward determining what is right in this world as opposed to a bunch. So I love that verse so much. It is better to do almsgiving than to lay up gold. For almsgiving rescues one from death, and it will wash away every sin. So you saying almsgiving will wash away my sin? Like I mentioned before numerous times, I cannot just take one verse and go to town and make a full comprehensive theological doctrine of one verse. I need to look at the totality and collective view of the narrative of, the, of our theology. I need to look at the course of how God has worked through humanity from, from, the, from Judea time to what Jesus came to fulfill and establish and complete. For almsgiving rescues one from death, and it will wash away every sin. If I live a life of almsgiving, of pushing myself to live for someone bigger than myself, then this pushes me away from falling into the sins of consumerism. What's in for me? How can this make me happy? When I live a, live, a, live a life of almsgiving, in every worldview, in every study, so many scientific studies showing, when I live a life of offering of myself, this is where I find the fullness of life. Now align this with the one who is the founder of life. For almsgiving rescues one from death and will wash away every sin. Those who do almsgiving and are righteous will be full of life. And of course, knowing our mission statement here at St. Mark Church, I love that. Those who do almsgiving and are righteous will be full of life and will find the one who is the fullness of life. Though, but those who sin are enemies of their own life. When anytime there's a discussion of what is sin, is this really a sin? Can we do this but not this? Is this a sin but this is okay? Any type of conversation, if we look at the etymology of the word sin, meaning missing the mark, when I do sin, when I do miss the mark, when I do miss the bullseye, when, when I say, when I determine that he is the bullseye, anytime I miss the bullseye, not, there are natural consequences into my own decision. Like the sin of me missing a mark, if I, um, if I unpackage a sin, there are natural consequences that will unfold. So Raphael is telling Tobit and Tobias, gentlemen, when we sin, well, he's an angel, but he's saying, when you sin, you're only damaging yourself. You're shooting yourself in the foot. There are natural scientific things that will unfold. It's not only, did I sin, did I sin uh, just a little bit, so am I good to go, or I only sin this much? No. When you naturally sin, things will naturally unfold, and there will be natural consequences. Every sin is prepackaged with consequences. I should have put that on a slide by itself. Every sin is prepackaged with consequences. Every sin is prepackaged with consequences. And we end up shooting ourselves 
and the foot. Archangel Raphael continues, I will not hide anything from you. Indeed, I did say earlier that it is good to conceal the secret of a king, but to reveal gloriously the works of God. He's pointing to a, a, a verse from Proverbs. And he's saying, yes, it's good to conceal the reality of who the king is. Like, there is a mystery behind who the divine is. And our limited, since we are created, we will not be able to fully understand who the uncreated is. And in the Orthodox Church, we take this very seriously. That there is, we, we have no problem of saying the word mystery. Not as a, a, a scapegoat saying, oh yeah, that's a mystery, we don't understand, that's a mystery. No, not in that way. Not because we don't understand, no. We acknowledge and we say with boldness and with pride, there's a tremendous amount of who we try to pursue, which is a mystery. But there is tremendous clarity in us to understand who God the Father is through the bridge, which is his son. When God put on a bod, that gave us tremendous amount of clarity of knowing who the divine is. But we also say with full confidence, there is a tremendous amount of mystery because we know that we are limited pursuing the one who is unlimited. I love this, what I'm about to show you is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite quotes by an Orthodox bishop. And this is his understanding, this is his meditation of us understanding the reality of the mysteries of the church and the mystery of theology. We see that it is not the task of Christianity to provide easy answers to every question. Again, we see that it is not the task of Christianity to provide easy answers to every question, but to make us progressively aware of a mystery. God is not so much the object of our knowledge as the cause of our wonder. God is not so much the object of our knowledge as the cause of our wonder. I love that. Sometimes we feel we need to give an elaborate, articulate, detailed answer of something that is unlimited and transcends time and matter and make sure that it fits in between our two ears. And if it doesn't, I'm done with it. We don't, do you approach that in any other aspect of life? Do you understand everything about a metal tube that flies 30,000 feet in the air and has wings and weighs God knows how many tons, but you put your butt in the seat and you fly and God knows how fast. Do you understand everything about that? But you put your trust toward that. We push that in every other aspect of life. But we want to understand the formula and the mechanism of how a divine being works. No, we say with boldness in orthodoxy. God is not so much the object of our knowledge. We don't need to understand every objective thing of his knowledge. But he is the cause of our wonder. Archangel Raphael continues, I will not hide anything from you. Indeed, I did say that it is good to conceal the secret of a king, but to reveal gloriously the works of God. Now, when you and your daughter-in-law Sarah prayed, I brought the remembrance of your prayer before the Holy One. I interceded for you. I brought your prayer to, to, to God on his throne. When you also buried the dead, I was likewise present with you. Then too, when you did not hesitate to stand up and leave your dinner, so as to depart and care for the dead. You're doing you, you, what was good did not escape me, but I was with you. Archangel Raphael is saying, okay, when you, Tobit, when you were doing that job of doing, of, of, with so much honor, honoring the dead and burying them, I was there. I was with you. I was watching you do these actions. 
Now God sent me to heal you and Sarah, your daughter-in-law. I am Raphael, one of the seven holy angels who report the prayers of the saints and who enter before the glory of the Holy One. What I love about this is Raphael is, is exposing who he is, the reality of him being an ethereal being, of him being an, an, an archangel. And he's saying, I was with you. Like, all, all, all the, the, the pain and the hardships that has happened, I was there. I was watching all this. And I have brought this narrative to bring healing and edification to you. What if God says the same about your life at the end? What if God, at the end of your life, says, I was with you when I heard you in the midst of that brokenness and that pain and that confusion. I was there. I heard you. I was listening to you in the midst of that. I was there when I saw you push yourself in almsgiving and give of yourself, and you went that extra mile for that person. I was there when I saw you pursue your marriage and prioritizing holiness over happiness. I was there in the midst of that pain. And I'm here to, to show that all of this had led to healing and edification. Well done, good and faithful servant. What if that's the words that we hear? In the same way Tobit and Tobias did. Archangel Raphael revealed this to them. What if we hear the same words? That all the things that we struggle with, what if these are all part of a bigger meta-narrative of our lives? In which we can look back and say, yeah, maybe we can look back at some aspects of our life and say, that was unbearable. But through that, this aspect of my life came, or this person came, or I was able to build this virtue in my life through that pain. What if that's our story at the end? What if God says, I permitted this hardship to come in order for you to take your hardship to me? If the founder of life, if the founder of life, who is also the founder of time, has no limits, who are we to say how God may be working in our life right now? If the founder of life has no limits, and as he's able to work through the vehicle of an angel, if he's able to work through this pain of poop and eyes and dead engaged, if God is able to work through all of that, who are we to say how God may work or not work in our lives? What position are we to say that? The thing that we pray for God to remove or to heal or to fix, maybe that's the very thing that will bring edification to us. And as now we see this weird <laughs> story coming to fruition, coming to a close, we see how God used all these painful issues that existed through Sarah, through depression, through mental health issues. We see all of this, how at the end, we see that Archangel Raphael is, is, is sharing with them how all of this has led for them to find the fullness of life. Next Sunday, we'll wrap things up, and we'll hear the words of Tobit as he's processing and digesting everything that has unfolded. And as he's processing the words of Archangel Raphael and everything that's in front of him, we'll hear what his words are as we wrap up the book of Tobit. Let's stand up and pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we all fall into the trap of, of trying to think how you work and try to connect the dots in our lives. Maybe some things we can see, but there are tons of things in which we cannot see. 
if we say that you are the creator of things that are visible and invisible, we know that there is so much more to this world. There is so much more than, than what we can see. Because, Lord, you transcend everything in which we view as being limited. Because, Lord, you are the unlimited. Lord, I pray that, that if it's in this world or in the age to come, that we can hear these words that Archangel Raphael told Tobit and Tobias, that through all our struggles, through all our questions, through our anxiety, through our issues, that, Lord, that we can say, Lord, you are threading all of that together for our benefit. Lord, your ways are higher than our ways. And we come with boldness knowing that, yes, you did reveal to us. It's, you came down to us through the reality of who Jesus is. But we also know there are so many things in which our limited comprehension is unable to understand. And we acknowledge that. And we embrace that. But what, does never, what never changes is your love for us. Through the prayers of Archangel Raphael and all your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, guys. I'll see you next weekend or in life group.